the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. In eight minutes after the hour of ten o'clock, hour number two is is uh, underway on this Friday, a free for all Friday, kind of, sort of, the twenty second morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one. Thanks again to Christina Hagen. Very, very uh, enjoyable conversation. She's got a great way of looking at things that a lot of patriots uh, cannot quite articulate uh, the way that she does. Coming up at uh, ten thirty five, John Guandolo will be back with us from Understanding the Threat. He will be the guest presenter at the webinar on Sunday for the uh, Red Green Axis Exposed webinar. So very much looking forward to that and really looking forward to this conversation now as we welcome to our program Peter Navarro. He is the former assistant to President Donald Trump, more than just an assistant. He was the Director of Trade and Manufacturing Policy and the National Defense Production Act Policy Coordinator inside the Trump White House. Now you can add author to that title as he has written a book called In Trump Time, a Journal of America's Plague Year. Peter Navarro, thank you for joining us here on AM 1420, The Answer in Cleveland. How are you this morning? Well, I'm, I'm as happy to be with you as the folks in Cleveland are about last night. That was a squeaker. I, I, I am a Browns <laughs> fan. <laughs> I, I remember with great fondness when I came um, to the uh, convention back in 2016. I, I was only, to talk about the In Trump Time book, I was only three senior White House officials who managed to make it from the campaign all the way to the end. But I, I stayed um, I stayed in a little place um, on the lake there by the airport and uh, got you know walked into the stadium when it was empty and stuff like that, looked around and, and it's just I, I got a soft spot in my heart for uh, for Cleveland and, and Ohio in general because it's for me as the director of trade and manufacturing policy like Ohio is so critical to uh, blue-collar America and factories and all that stuff. And uh, anyway, 
So it's, that's a long way of saying, Bobby, it's great to be with you today. Well, you know what? I'm glad you did all of that, and you're right. Um, you know, Cleveland is critical to, in those areas, particularly in manufacturing. And so uh, let me, if this is a little bit off the, 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 the top story here, which is your book, and I want to talk to you about vaccines and the, Nash, the uh, uh, Defense Production Act and everything you did to make Operation Warp Speed happen. But since you just went there and talked about, about manufacturing, what is your view of this supply chain disruption to the point where um, we can't get things unloaded, we can't get cargo ships docked yeah. and, and unloaded, we can't get, yeah. once we do, get uh, parts to plants to continue the manufacturing in places like Cleveland? How long can we stand this disruption of the supply chain before businesses go under, plants close for good, because we simply cannot move things from point A to point B? Well, it actually is germane to the In Trump Time book because I wrote a memo um, as early as May of 2020 to the president warning of these kinds of supply chain disruptions and the broader problem of stagflation. I mean, here's the thing. It's that the Chinese, let's, let's make no mistake about this. And, again, this is straight up, straight whiskey, no chaser in, in the In Trump Time book. The Chinese Communist Party on that virus in the Wuhan lab. Tony Fauci helped them do it with money and through these gain-of-function experiments. And what what that has done, basically, is, is to send a ripple and wave of shocks through our economy that have distorted our labor markets, distorted our supply chains, and done so in a way which is bringing not only inflation, uh, but also uh, recessionary and slow-growth forces. The whole mission, and my mission at the White House was, was President Trump's two simple rules. Buy American, hire American. And to the extent that you localize and regionalize your, your factories and supply chains, they are resilient. To the extent that you ship them offshore, they are fragile. Right? And so um, we have to understand that there's, a, that there's a schism between the goals of corporate America and the goals of the American people. So what, 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 the, what the Democrats and the rhinos want to do on behalf of corporate America is send our factories offshore. When you do that, the supply chains follow. They do that so they can leverage the sweatshops of Asia. And when they, as soon as they do that, they, they make, make a, you know, a few pennies more um, for a while. But when push comes to shove, like now, um, those supply chains quickly, quickly break down. So, look, the Democrats, with their, their big spending bills and all that stuff, my version of the bill, and I talk about that in the In Trump Time book, for the president, was to spend money, the bulk of the money would have gone to onshoring our factories and our production. So, to your question, is like, how long is this going to go on and what's the impact is going to have? We, we are in the deepest problems I've ever seen in my life as an economist. And this makes the 70s going to look like a cakewalk if, if, unless we kind of deal with, with this issue. 
It is, uh, and thank you for that very well thought out response because it, it is it is a multi layered onion here, um, and, and there are a lot of different people impacted at a lot of different levels of the supply chain, uh, and it's going to eventually hit everybody. Quite literally, it's going to hit consumers. And you know, r- real quick, last thing on this, Peter Navarro, uh, the cavalier attitude of the Biden administration, as at least as expressed by the press secretary. I, I think it's just chilling, uh, and 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 also, quite frankly, by um, you know the administration, which which sees the supply chain problem as a high class problem, as as if as if wealthy people aren't getting their treadmills. Yeah. Jen Saki joked yeah. about that. We're talking yeah. about people getting food to their tables. We're talking about shelves in their grocery stores, in their clothing yeah. stores. Uh, we're, and again, moreover, we're talking about the businesses that sell those things that have empty shelves that aren't going to be able to stay open. This is an every Every level of the economic class problem, not a high class problem. The one compliment I would give to Jen Psaki is that she lines with in such an exquisite way. She does it so much better than any of our own press secretaries in Trump administration can tell the truth. I mean, this woman is like I just I mean what comes out of her mouth is just just wrong and um i think that look and let's think about this for a minute and she's the top spokesperson for president biden right on just general matters and fauci is the top spokesperson for biden on health and pandemic related matters okay so what have we what have we seen the fruits of their labor right we saw biden's approval rating go kind of towards Toward sixty down to like twenty, and with independent, right? it's you've never seen this kind of thing ever. And Fauci, when at the height of his game, like eighty percent of the people trusted him, and now he's down to about thirty. And after in Trump time comes out my book, um, it's going to be to zero, right? My point is simply nobody's buying what Saki's selling, and she is she is an elitist. Georgetown wine sipping, uh, just yeah, just turn her nose up at the people uh, out in flyover country in the middle of this, this country who go to church, want their kids to be able to go to schools without masks on, and and um, you know like root for the Cleveland Browns. It's like uh, she disgusts me. And I think she discussed a lot of well, people. She does. She too. does. Particularly when she tries to, you talk about lying with a casualness uh, and, and an effectiveness. Uh, she she truly believes, I think, or she's just that good that three point five trillion dollars equals zero. She really is a is a true yeah. believer in that that common core new math uh, that Joe Biden is is, is pushing. Uh, Peter Navarro, I want to dive into the book now, and I want to talk about your role sure. in the Defense Production Act policy and your role in in Operation Warp Speed. Now, uh, this yeah. is where. This is where our conversation may turn a little bit less than friendly. I despise this vaccine mandate. I despise uh, this push and this, uh, uh, you know, I call them big pharma profit shots. Uh, They are selling selling lies to the American people. They first said that these shots are not going to prevent 
COVID anyway, but they are going to lessen the symptoms. Now we know uh, it's not even lessening the symptoms, as the former CDC director, Robert Redfield, uh, made clear two days ago in Maryland, where over the last eight weeks they have charted over 40% of the deaths from COVID in Maryland came from people who were fully vaccinated. Yeah. Now, yeah. I know that you... And President Trump had all of the right intentions here because the world and this country during the pandemic was demanding a vaccine. We've got to do something to get this pandemic under control, demanding it. And the work that you guys put in to turn it around and have it ready by last November, what, less than nine months since we really started, the you know, the pandemic really started, is a remarkable accomplishment. And I saluted you and President Trump for getting it done. Having said all of that, though, we now have about 10, 11, 12, 11 months or so of the distribution of this vaccine, and it is not what it was supposed to be, and yet it is being forced upon us. It's no longer herd immunity at 60 or 70 percent, and it's no longer, uh, um, you know, uh, a matter of, of, of just, you know, mitigation and stopping the uh, swelling of the uh, of the emergency rooms in the hospitals. It is full on. You must comply. You will do this because you're told to do this. And if you don't do this, you are fired. This is what we're getting from the federal government right now. That's a lot. I just threw at you, Peter Navarro. But try to try to bring some sense and some sanity to this vaccination development and to it now. Its mandate to the point where Joe Biden says, until 98 percent of the American people get it, we won't go back to normal. Well, first of all, there's no conflict between you and I on this. I agree with it, literally everything um, you've said. Okay, let me let me talk a little bit about because um, I, I was there, like at the birth of the vaccine. In February, I'm going to take you in the in Trump time book. Okay, it's right inside my office in the White House, February 9, 2020. I'm the guy who's writing the memo. Um, on behalf of the president to the task force that says, hey, get your butts in gear. If we move now, we can have a vaccine by October or November. Okay, that's in a memo, okay, to to the task force, memorialized, right? Now, a couple things interesting about that. First of all, I made that prediction, even though it usually takes uh, three times that amount of time to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So I was going out on a limb, but I knew... To how to do this was through the Trump culture, and we knew, and I described how we how we actually got to that that finish line, right? Um, but I also say in the In Trump Time book that never, ever in my wildest dreams did I or the president think that those vaccines, if they came to fruition, would be used as an economic, social, and cultural weapon against the American people, and it is as insane to force a six-year-old child to get a jab like Tony Fauci wants to do. It's insane to force anybody who's already had COVID who has robust antibodies to get the jab. It's insane to force otherwise healthy people of a younger age to get the vaccine. And I've written several articles about this, and in the In Trump Time book, I reinforced the point that the, the vaccine should be reserved for senior citizens where the mortality rate rises dramatically and people with comorbidities, full stop. And the, the, this, these vaccine mandates, just from an economist's point of view, are crazy because we are in the middle of the worst labor market shortages we've seen since World War II. And even if you're in favor of, 
of, of universal vaccines. You got to acknowledge that when you when you start taking like what five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent of of the Navy SEALs out of the military, the firefighters and cops off the beat, the, the food workers, the the, the the airline mechanics, the pilots, you're going to just create the most god awful economic mess and cultural mess you could ever imagine. So um, this is all about, I mean, one of the missions of the In Trump Time book is to take Fauci down forevermore, okay? And and so if you got a beef about all of this, it's certainly not going to be with, with President Trump or me because we're, we're in sync with what you're saying. It's going to be with Fauci, with Biden, uh, and with Pete and Saki and others who are trying to jab this thing down our throats, sir. Okay, I, I, you, you, you are covering so much here that I want to follow up on. I have a hard break here, though. Can you stay with me for one more short yeah. segment after this? Okay, Peter Navarro is Love going to you. continue with us, one of only three Trump uh, staff members with him from the start until the finish of that term, and he was a major player in the Operation Warp Speed uh, vaccination production. So we're going to continue with him right after this. Okay, 1024, so we've got six minutes left with Peter Navarro, and I really appreciate you being with us. So I want to I follow up on a couple of things, and let me ask you this. If President Trump had been allowed to have the victory that I believe he rightfully earned in November of 2020, and you guys, and you were still there with him, and I have no reason to think you wouldn't be, what would be your approach right now, given the fact that uh, Biden's push is mandates for everybody, as you pointed out, for children, people who are statistically not at risk at all, and so on and so forth? What would be the Trump recipe here, considering there have been more COVID deaths, depending on how how they code them, of course, more COVID deaths in the 10 months of the Biden administration than and the entire year, 2020 year of the pandemic. How, how would you approach this without a mandate for vaccines? Well, I, I laid this all out in the In Trump Time book. I mean, first of all, for the vaccine policy, you only uh, vaccinate uh, those who are most vulnerable to the virus. Uh, you must be cautious about this. So that's the elderly, those with comorbidities, full stop. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now, Chapter 7 of the In Trump Time book is probably the most important from a public health point of view because it analyzes uh, the case for hydroxychloroquine as a therapeutic. This is one of the big things I fought Fauci on. Uh, there's no question, it's absolutely for you listeners, listen to me carefully. There's no question, according to science, that hydroxychloroquine saves lives. It cuts the mortality rate by well over half. Okay, so there would be over 300,000 more Americans alive today if not uh, for Dr. Fauci's uh, meddling on this. So, so can you speak? Can you speak uh, to uh, ivermectin in the same ter- same uh, space here? Uh, uh, yes, yes, and I was just about to say that um, that that ivermectin, uh, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and then the other things you want to be taking, you know, the zinc, the vitamin D, and all of that. Here's right. the broader point that that. Uh, and I wrote about this again in February 2020. I said it's a five-vector strategy. Two of those vectors are vaccines plus robust distribution of therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and the, for people administered through physicians. I don't know if you saw the news because mainstream media didn't really report it, but the Nebraska AG just announced that private physicians could prescribe off-label use of both ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for 
the virus. And, and my, my studies show that if you take it within the first seven days, it's uh, going to lower your risk of death, keep you out of the hospital, keep you off the ventilator, and moderate your symptoms. I mean, this was, this was the tragedy. And the, the interim time book gets into it. I mean, one of the, one of the things you will, will understand at the end of that book is that Fauci literally is responsible for the death of millions of people. Tony Fauci, the people that the left uh, basically puts on, on a pedestal. So um, it, it's vaccinations, it, uh, it's therapeutics, and there, you would know, see no mandate from, from President Trump. Uh, kids should, wouldn't be marrying masks in schools when they're six years old, breathing carbon dioxide. It, it, elections, stolen elections have consequences. And the last third of the book uh, deals with the whole issue of election irregularities and what happens. There's a big reveal about what happened on January 6th as well. I mean, this is a comprehensive look at the chessboard from the inside. The In Trump Time book, I, I wrote it um, for the single purpose of changing history, recording history and then changing history. And um, we need to change the way we're doing some things here, including these um, vaccine mandates. It's, it's insane. And good for, the, good for the Southwest pilots for standing up. That was uh, the bridge at Concord in many ways. Um, Peter Navarro, I, I, the, the part about previous infection that you mentioned is extraordinarily important here. Do you believe yes. that the CDC, the NIH, and the Biden administration would have a hell of a lot more credibility in trying to convince people who may be at risk to get vaccinated if they actually said, by the way, if you have already developed natural immunity through a recovery from COVID-19 and have those antibodies, you have no need whatsoever to get a vaccine. In fact, you are 27 times more protect, uh, protected, as the Israeli yes. study shows, than anybody who gets yes. one of these uh, one of these uh, synthetic vaccines that we create in the labs. If they told people the reality here, rather than trying to maximize profits for Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson, uh, wouldn't they have a lot more credibility in convincing people to be, okay, I'm going to think about it and I'll make a choice here? And, of course, but in the Trump time book, I looked. Khan, when he was at the FDA and the I, the commissioner, Redfield, Azar, Fauci, the current Janet Woodcock. It, look, these people are, are incompetent fools, but also corrupt. They're corrupted by big pharma. And what we're seeing now is Biden and Fauci doubling and tripling down on a flawed strategy. You are absolutely right. It is, look, it's not just that, that people who have had the virus now have stronger antibodies than those to take the vaccine. There's also the unresolved scientific question that if you have those antibodies and then you take the vaccine, you may actually wind up in a weakened position relative to not being vaccinated. Peter Navarro has uh, written the book on this quite literally, and uh, it's called In Trump Time. Um, a journal of America's plague year. He was with the president from the very beginning, one of only three to last through the end of his term as the director of trade and manufacturing policy and, again, as the National Defense Production Act policy coordinator inside the Trump White House. Uh, Peter, I would love to talk to you again. And, Mac, in fact, and I know you're on a book tour right now, so you're tied up, but I would love to have an hour with you to talk more about the production of these vaccines and what the reality of these companies is right now. So uh, perhaps we can talk well, again, let's but I appreciate this. you. 
uh, coming on today. Let's, let's, let's get the uh, the book out, read it, and then I'll come on after the book's out officially. You can pre-order it now on Amazon, but uh, come uh, November 2nd, just uh, let's, let's do something after that. That is a great plan. Absolutely. Love that idea. Peter Navarro, thank you so much for the time today. We'll talk to you again. All right, there you go. That's Peter Navarro. He's got as much insight on the vaccines and its production as anybody does. All right, let's get a timeout now at 1031. We'll do news. We'll come back, talk to John Guandolo, Understanding the Threat, next presenter at the Red Green Axis Exposed webinar. He'll be next, AM 1420 The Answer. against the lies of the liberal media pandemic. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1038 now. We continue. Went a little bit long there uh, with our guest, Peter Navarro. Apologies for that, but I'm so glad to be now joined by now uh, John Guandolo. Uh, John's going to be speaking once again uh, for the next Red Green Axis Exposed webinar, which is coming up on Sunday. For those who don't know yet, Red Green Axis Exposed uh, shines a light on the threats we face from the far left. That's the red, Marxist, socialist, communist, technocrats, and the Islamist groups in the U.S. That's the green. That's what comprise the Red Green Axis. Uh, they are using their agendas to try to fundamentally transform America. John Guandola wants you to understand that threat. That's why he's the founder of Understanding the Threat, the only organization in America providing tools to leaders and police and citizens to identify and dismantle the jihadi terrorist networks in their local communities. And that's right. They are in your local communities, whether you realize it or not. John Guandola, welcome back to our program. How are you, sir? I'm doing uh, very well. It's great to be back on with you. Well, I know it's going to be great uh, for everyone who watches the Red Green Axis Exposed uh, webinars to hear from you again. Going to be talking uh, about the the what you know what people are going to have to do, how to keep our families safe in the government's absence. Now, I think I have a pretty good idea what you mean by the government's absence. I feel like our government, as it pertains to military anyway, if not intelligence and more, um, you know, I feel like they are more focused on things like wokeness and social justice reform than they are on preparedness uh, against the threats that you, particularly the ones that you uh, focus and highlight on, John. So can you tell us what you mean by the government's absence? Well, we have a uh, government at the federal level that is wholly corrupt. Uh, all the components of government are corrupted, and we have, uh, as evidenced, I think, by the fact that uh, we had a guy at let me just throw a few examples. Not, And I'm not even talking about the, the external, the fact that we have had al-Qaeda, Hamas, and ISIS people uh, inside the government, like Abdurrahman al-Amudi, an al-Qaeda guy who's in prison, was the advisor to President Clinton. You know, we had a guy who was an ISIS commander that the State Department trained five times here inside the United States. We had uh, Anwar al-Awlaki, the leader of al-Qaeda in Yemen, who was given talks in the U.S. Capitol and uh, in the Pentagon. We have a, uh, a chairman of the Joint Chiefs that uh, is a traitor uh, and is treasonous right there out in the open. You've got uh, James Comey, who admitted he was a communist uh, in a New York Magazine article 
back in uh, 2003 and still became the FBI director. And these are all clues, very big clues, that uh, the government has been grossly penetrated. Uh, and, and I could go on. But the, So whether it's from the communist left or the, uh, the jihadi movement here in the United States, uh, the, the bulk of their work has been in penetrating the system and polluting it. And then you have, of course, people inside the system who are greedy, self-serving. Uh, they're, they're doing it for non-ideological reasons, but we see them every day. Uh, but the, the biggest penetration we're seeing and citizens are seeing at the uh, local level is the communist effort. We see it through uh, critical race theory in the schools. We see it, see it through... Uh, programs that that advocate bizarre sexual behavior being taught in our schools all of this walks down the lines of operation that the communists laid out uh, and have been doing over the last hundred years and so the the point is i think many americans certainly people listening to your show understand that america is in a in a in a, at a minimum, they understand things are just not quite right. But many people understand things are downright dangerous. And what what uh, understanding the threat makes a strong attempt to do and what we do is help people see that things are actually much worse than their understanding. That what's happening is very intentional. It's calculated. We can track it from... You know, the early 1920s, if we're talking about the communist movement and their efforts through today. Um, so, for instance, if we just look at the fact that all of the anti-nuclear protests that happened in the 70s or 80s were directly coordinated by the Communist Party. You know, the riots in Ferguson and riots in other places like all the Antifa riots coordinated by communists. And Ferguson was you know, th these things don't happen by accident, is my point. And when we look at either the funding or the coordination of what's going on, I, I was traveled last week and spoke to a large group of folks, and uh, right before we started my presentation, they did their announcements for their groups. You know, a lady was up there, and her ballywick is the schools, and she said, you know, we've got this junk in our schools, and she ran through what they're doing. And I said, do you think that a truck just randomly drove by and books accidentally fell off and they just got picked up and put in the library and, and began getting taught in classrooms? No. There, there are programs at the national and international level that drive this. And it, these things at the strategic level are affecting us at the local level. So what we do is we demonstrate that, that the federal government is not only incapable and unable to fulfill their primary and basic duties, we see arms of the government directly working against the people and targeting the people. And we could go through, um, you've talked about them on your show, you know, whether we're talking about January 6th or whether we're talking mm -hmm. about um, the, the accusations made against the, uh, you know, Mr. Trump that, uh, he was colluding with Russia when actually it was the people accusing him that were. Uh, whether we want to talk about, uh, again, January 6th, where it was an insurrection, and, and what it actually was, was it was a power grab by the other side that now holds the, 
the rains in Washington, D.C., and actually the, the FBI has no evidence there was an organized effort uh, to do anything other than to demand uh, the unalienable rights. That, that's why they're, yeah, that's why they're trying to do all of those um, uh, subpoenas. They're those uh, subpoenas of people like Steve Bannon, and are holding him in contempt of Congress for refusing to come forward. They have no evidence at all of pre-planning or anything else. So they're trying to manufacture some. John, I, I want to go back to something you said. <clears throat> In that explanation, we're talking with John Guandolo, the founder of Understanding the Threat. You can learn more at understandingthethreat.com. He's going to be the featured presenter at the next national security briefing from Red Green Access Exposed on uh, Sunday. In fact, let me just throw this out there. If you want to attend, meaning watch this webinar presentation by John and by Jim Simpson and Dan Ramada, you've got to email rga at eaglefiremail.com. That's how you get access. That's how you'll get the link. RGA, which of course stands for Red Green Axis, at eaglefiremail.com. That's how you can do this to hear John Guandola's presentation Sunday at 7.30, keeping our families safe in the government's absence. John, you, you talked about, um, and I've talked to Jim Simpson about this some too, but, but I want to get your, your explanation of this. When we talk about that alliance between Islamists, radical fundamental Islamists, are radically opposed to homosexuality. Much less, I can't even imagine the non-binary, pronoun-changing, trans-this, trans-that. I mean, this is, you know, these are people who throw people off of rooftops for being gay. The Marxist-Communist-Socialist side of this celebrates the LGBTQ community, uh, pushes it, advances it. As a matter of fact, they condemn toxic masculinity and patriarchy, which, of course, is what the radical fundamentalist Islamists are all about. Women have no rights. Men are the ultimate ruling authority. How can two vastly different ideologies, at least when it comes to this, work in concert with one another to harm our country? Right, so that's a great question. Um, But it's a matter of uh, uh, show, not a matter of actual, you know, practical operations. Uh, the the communist movement, Marxists, they use the the homosexual agenda. They use uh, the women's rights agenda, uh, race, uh, police brutality, climate change. Uh, they don't believe in any of these things. It's the issue is never the issue. They don't care about racial injustice, economic injustice, uh, women's rights. Uh, homosexuals, they, they don't care about that. That's not, the issue's not the issue. The issues that they push are tools for political um, pressure, to bring political pressure to get the change they want to open the door so they can advance the communist movement. That's it. So it has nothing to do with that. So in the end, if you look historically in communist regimes, uh, you know, the intellectuals and homosexuals and uh, the outcasts, and I'm putting that in quotes, they consider them the outcasts of society. They get killed first. Just like if uh, an Islamic uh, state is established somewhere. Those are the people that get killed first. And in America, there's some kind of delusion among some people that this just, America is some kind of magical place where reality doesn't touch and this stuff can't happen. But we're watching in European countries, and by the way, it's happened in America more and more, but in European countries a great degree in Australia, where you have police in Australia surrounding synagogues to keep Jews out from praying. I mean, 
this this is the stuff we saw. The last time I think we've seen this was in Nazi Germany. And Americans are they're they're a little like, oh, what's going on over there? But it's closer this to home than be, that, by the way. I think it's closer to home. I think a lot of what you just described in Australia is happening north of our border. Canada's yes, become a well, police state as well. Yes, it has. And I would argue they're, they're I mean, New York, uh, you know, using uh, the COVID mandates to keep people out of the public uh, sphere. I mean, this is this is tyranny at its at its raw level. And because of the efforts of the red-green axis, um, because, it, you know, they appear gray and American founding principles appear gray to some, to many, because that's the intention. Over the years, as they, and you can read it in their doctrine, you can read it in their goals, you can listen to the thousands of transcripts you can read the transcripts. You can listen to the testimonies of people who have defected from Communist Party USA, declassified FBI documents, all of the material that's out there, which we have done. And what you see is a very clear picture of what they're doing. It's pretty simple. And a big part of what they uh, have done over the decades is to attack America's foundation get God out of schools, get the Bible out of schools, which they did in 1965, uh, after the, the Bible has been in American schools since we first stepped foot in the 1600s sure. in America. So, so all of these things were not accidental. They were not accidental. All intentional. And it had a purpose to it, which was to destroy that founding principle that undergirds our law and our government, which is the law of nature and nature's God is defined in the declaration. So when you, when you see that assault and you see the outcome now is that people don't have a clear, bright understanding of who America is and how the government's supposed to function. I mean, I will tell you the most impactful class that we teach as a part of broader courses that we teach, especially the law enforcement is the, the session on America's founding principles in law and government. And it's about an hour and 15 minutes and, or 20 minutes, and when we're done, I've had numerous police officers come up to me and say, I, I had no idea, and I realize now I had no idea what my oath actually meant, and I'm embarrassed, but thank you. And uh, some of them have walked up with tears in their eyes because they realized from, you know, from a lo- for a long time that, so our adversaries get Americans to have an understanding of America that's kind of gray, not bright white like it should be. And then they've been able to control the message of who they are, because as we demonstrate, if you could point to the fact that I don't know what I just said, when you've got an al-Qaeda guy in a suit advising the president, you've got an FBI director who admitted publicly he was a communist, um, these are signs that the, the system is broadly corrupted, and these aren't the only ones. I mean, we've had well, outright 
I'm going to need to stop you there, John, because we're out of time. I'm sure you could give us more and more examples. And if I had more time, I'd probably ask you more about what's happening in uh, Afghanistan and what Americans who have been abandoned are dealing with living under the Taliban or hiding from the Taliban. But maybe you can cover some of that in uh, in Wednesday or excuse me, in Sunday's um, national security briefing. So I want to remind people uh, it's called Keeping Our Family Safe in the Government's Absence. Presenter will be John Guandolo, under, a founder of Understanding the Threat. This will be, when, or, I don't know why I want to keep saying Wednesday. My apologies. It's going to be on Sunday at 7.30. Uh, and if you want to uh, watch this and attend this webinar, it's rga at eaglefiremail.com. Email rga at eaglefiremail.com to request access and request a link, and you will get it there. And uh, John Guandolo barely scratched the surface today on what he's going to talk to you about on Sunday night. John, thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing what you're going to do on Sunday night as well. Thank you for shining uh, and sounding the alarm uh, for the American people. We appreciate that. Thank you, and thanks for all you're doing, Bob. You got it. Understandingthethreat.com for John Guandolo. Look at his work there, understandingthethreat.com. We'll be right back. All right, 1057, final segment, always a short one. I want to do a couple of things here as we wrap. Number one is apologize to Lisa Woods. Well, Lisa Woods, an apology. I said uh, earlier on the only former or current elected official that was able to make it out to our antibodies party last night was Christina Hagen, former state rep. Lisa Woods is a former elected official, state school board. So Lisa was there last night, too, supporting and representing, and God bless her. We so appreciate that. And I want to remind you, by the way, speaking of Lisa, about Medina County Friends and Neighbors, the McFan meeting tomorrow morning is going to be outstanding. You're going to have Wayne County GOP Chair Doug Deacon, who's going to be there with uh, insights uh, from uh, what's going on in Wayne County. But then also they've added, since he's in town, I talked uh, this week with Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center for Immigration studies and mark still in town is going to speak at uh mcfan tomorrow so uh tomorrow morning 8 30 at the thirsty cowboy in medina mark krikorian and doug deacon along with of course lisa and the great people from medina county friends and neighbors all going to gather together at the thirsty cowboy strongly recommend that last thing i want to do is say thank you again to everybody who came and was a part of our big uh, antibodies party last night in uh, Strongsville at the uh, Harvest Saloon. It was a great time had by all. And also to apologize to anybody who didn't get the change of venue notice in time, and you went to Lakewood anyway, uh, where we were going to have that event. But, of course, we got shut down by a food provider who said, we're not going to serve you guys. Why? Because, well, it was snowing in Lakewood. The snowflakes were out complaining about a bunch of anti-vaxxers holding a super spreader, as they called it. So we adjusted. Thanks to everybody who came. Everyone be safe this weekend. We'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.